chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. There are some verses in the Bible that I think about so often that uh, that it seems like it, it, it's, that I just preached about it recently. And, the, and verse 6 is one of those verses uh, uh, today. But today I, I want to look at the uh, context. In other words, I want you to get the big picture, the background of the story and uh, the title of the message is The Road to Recovery. And I doubt if there's ever been a time in history where we've heard so much about the word recovery because we are constantly being bombarded hearing about people recovering from some addiction. Uh, recovery centers have become a big business today. And the, the sad thing is, uh, we might as well face the facts is that most people never really fully recover. Uh, they began, become dependent upon the, the recovery program or something and they get stuck in that. And the fact is about the only ones who ever really truly fully recover are those that have a spiritual recovery first because most folks are fighting monsters that... Uh, they cannot defeat without divine help. Um, but you don't have to be an addict, you know, to drugs or to alcohol or to sex to be in need of recovery because uh, we, we need a spiritual recovery anytime that we get out of the will of God. We need a recovery from that. Last week I preached about moving, moving from sorrow to joy, but but that's not the only thing that needs to change because, you know, uh, sorrow is one thing, sin is another thing. And uh, more often than not, you know, it's the sin that produces the sorrow. And, and sadly, most people, as I said, never really fully recover. In many cases, they don't recover because they fail to see their need for recovery. They think they're getting along just fine, and so uh, they don't see any need of it. And the reason they don't see any need of it is because they do not see the seriousness of sin. And let me tell you, there is no sin that isn't serious, whatever the sin is. Now, there are some sins that are more harmful to society than others, obviously. Some sins that will hurt your neighbor uh, more than others might. But all sin is serious because it is an offense against God. I preached on this subject. In fact, I used the title five years ago and I uh, and getting ready for the message today. Well, I think I've already preached a message from this chapter. And so I look back, sure enough, there it is. So you're probably wondering, well, why in the world are you going to preach it again? Well, I didn't say I was going to preach it again. I said in the first place, there's no two sermons that are alike. I'm preaching from the same place, but uh, that doesn't mean it's the same message. And by the way, that even if it was exactly the same message, let me tell you, there is a constant need for this message. Because human nature never changes, human needs never vary, and as a result of that, we need this same message over and over again. Do you have any idea 
how many people have fallen over the last five years. Well, let's reduce that down to just our congregation. Over the last five years, how many have fallen by the wayside? They're no longer with us for whatever reason. Now, naturally, there are some that have moved and they've transferred their membership to another church. But in most cases, it's because they have simply dropped out of church. It might be they're going to some unscriptural church. It might be and probably is that they're not attending any church at all. And besides the number that have dropped out, there are a number of people who are headed in that direction. They haven't dropped out of church yet, but they're out of fellowship with the Lord. You can be in attendance every week and and maybe even tithe every week and not be in fellowship with God. So today, this matter of recovery, of it and also the recovery from it so as we look at this chapter 30 here we see in verse number six these words and David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all of the people was grieved Every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. You know, I've often said that being a pastor is a mixture of pleasure and pain. It's delight and difficulty. And one of the most painful things is seeing people fail and fall. And, you know, since all of us are imperfect, we know that it's going to happen. But it still hurts. Somebody that you love dearly and to see them get out of the will of God and go the way of the world and, and, and falling is one thing, but uh, the sad thing is some of them never recover. They never get back up. And over the years, I've witnessed so many horrible falls. Many times it was in people that I, I, I never expected. People, it was shocking. People that I had confidence in. And I thought, boy, they are rock solid. They are a pillar in the church. You can depend upon them. And before you know it, they're out here in the world and uh, doing the things that you never dreamed that they would do. So after all of these years of observation, I've come to believe Sometimes we can learn more from failures than we do from successes. In other words, we look at people that are successful in this world, and in some instances maybe we think, well, I want to pattern my life after them. I've really learned a lot from them. But some of the best lessons you'll ever learn is from people that have failed miserably. They're out there in the world. They're hurting others. They're getting hurt. And it's a lesson to us to not go down that same trail. You know, if I said, let's, let's just talk about David's failure this morning. Where does your mind go? Well, it all goes to the same place, right? Because we all think of his sin with Bathsheba that is immediately where our mind goes. But there was another failure that took place 20 years earlier. And it was absolutely shocking. And we read about it in chapter number 27. And, it, and, and, and this is the reason why David failed. 
there was persistent pressure being put upon him. He was hated. He was hunted by Saul. And uh, all of the attendant problems, you know, of caring for his family and his men. And, and this is while he's on the run. He's, you know, he, he's worn to a frazzle, as we might say. And he's in a dangerous situation. And that's always a dangerous time whenever we get in a situation like that where we not only are endangered of our lives, but our loved ones also. So David is emotionally drained. He's physically exhausted. He's spiritually stale at this point. Over again. And yet, he had remained faithful through all of that but as the pressure mounted, finally David broke. And in a state of depression, David thought life is never going to get any better. Have you ever been there, done that? I mean, everything seems to be against you. Like, you know, Jacob said, all of these things are against me. The whole world is against me. It's never going to get any better than what it is. And that's where David was at that moment. It's never going to be any different. I'm going to spend my life running in fear of my life. And so what does he do? He fled of all places among the Philistines. Can you imagine going there of all places and, and it appears that he even adopted their cause. As unlikely as it seemed, David has become a deserter. He is a turncoat. He is a traitor. Those are ugly words, but it describes exactly what's going on. Usually we think of people like Absalom as being a traitor, or Benedict Arnold, or Judas, or someone like that. You just don't think that David would ever do something like that. But he did, at least for a while. And let me tell you, folks, that ought to humble us because if that could happen to a man like David, a man after God's own heart, if it could happen to him, it could happen to me, it could happen to you. And so David's fall should remind us of the danger that we're in. Be careful about judging him too harshly, but this, this is exactly what happened. It's totally out of character, but it shows us that it can happen, and it will happen usually unless a person defeats the depression that's in their life, unless they learn to move from their sorrow to the joy of the Lord because a deep depression is something that is not to, not to joke around with. It's serious business and there's no need for us to end up there as a child of God. We serve a God that's able to uh, help us to get out of those valleys of depression. So let's consider some of the results now before we look at the recovery. And whenever we look at the story in chapter 29, and we're not going to read it, but I'll just give you an updated version of what happened. This is the result of David deserting and going among the Philistines. He deserted. That's problem number one. He has deserted his own people. But listen carefully now. Then he was deserted by the Philistines. of their enemies and as he goes there he think I'll get out of danger and they look at him and think you know if he turned his back on his own people we better not trust him either 
So now they have deserted him. He is as a man without a country. He was disillusioned. He thought his compromise would win the admiration and the confidence of other people, but he was wrong. He was deprived because now we come to chapter 30 and the first five verses describes this horrible picture here of his family being taken into captivity. Listen, had he not been among the Philistines, that would not have happened. But he is among the Philistines. Now he has lost his family. They're taken into captivity. He is distrusted. Uh, His faithful followers in verse number 6 that we just read, his faithful followers have now lost confidence in his ability to lead. Those who had... He is distressed as a result of it. He's been banished by the enemy. He's been blamed by his people. Now he is burdened within. His reputation has been ruined. He is hurt. He's humiliated. He's confused. His life is an absolute mess at this point. So, how did he ever get back in the right place? Well, it was on the road to recovery, and here it is. Notice verse 5 again. taken from him the the city where they are has been burned to the ground all of a sudden everything is gone around him and again he finds himself running as it were for his very life you know so many times that we have to experience some great loss in our life before we face the reality that we are not in the will of God As I think back over the years, I can think of but one example after another of people that I I knew and and people that I had worked with and dealt with and tried to encourage. And and, and it's almost as though it happened yesterday. I think about a fellow the name of Bob as he related to me. This is back uh, before I came here, by the way. And they had lost absolutely everything. Their nest egg, everything was lost as a result of being out of the will of God. And it's so sad when you see people fall so far away that they lose absolutely everything. But I'm telling you, sometimes that's what it takes to turn people around. And when we think about some of the great hymn writers You know, many of the great hymns that we love today, they were written out of adversity by people that had been broken, people that had suffered pain, people that had suffered loss. And sometimes that's what it takes for us to see what's really important in life is for us to lose what we've got. And that's why I say no one ever sins successfully. There's no such thing as a successful sin. So David has experienced this horrible loss, but rather than to think about that as being the worst thing that could happen in reality, in reality at that point in time, that was the best thing that could happen to him. 
Because as long as he is accepted there among the Philistines, as long as he's not in danger, as long as everything seems to be going all right, David was quite comfortable in that situation, evidently. But boy, when God pulled the props out from under him, all of a sudden he starts thinking about a different set of values. And he took the second step on the road to recovery. Is here in verse number 6. Notice, he encouraged himself. How did he do that? In the Lord his God. You know, there are times that we need all of the encouragement that we can get. And it would really help, you know, if someone would step up and make an effort to help us. Uh, but they don't. And, and, and listen, what are you going to do if they don't? It's wonderful when they do. There are people right here in this auditorium here this morning that time after time in my life, in all of these years of being here, that have been a blessing to me in different ways and there to encourage me by word and deed and whatever. Thank God for that. But there always comes a time Whenever it's up to us whether we're going to encourage ourselves. We can't just sit back just waiting for someone else to encourage us. And the only way you can encourage yourself is to encourage yourself in the Lord. That's the only way that it can happen. And I feel sure there's more than what more implied than what we can see here because And finally, there is the confession that he needs God. But this simple statement here is showing us that the comfort and the consolation from God is possible. He encouraged himself where? In the Lord his God. How would he do that? How would he do that? I think, I think he did so by remembering the covenant that God had made with him. Remember, God said, you're going to be the king. Boy, it looked like God had led him astray, right? Looks like God's promise had failed. But, but he said, there's this little boy, that, this shepherd boy, that no one thought would ever rise to become the, the king over the people. But God knew, and God said, that's, that's the one I want. You can put all those other brothers aside. That, that little scrawny one there, that's the one I want. I'm going to make something out of him. And it hadn't happened yet. And David suffered through all of these hardships. And now, having lost everything, he goes to God and he remembers that God said this was going to happen. And he's banking everything on the promises of God. Oh, let me tell you, it helps us to meditate upon God's promises. It encourages us. And whenever we do that, we're encouraged because we're looking at the promises of God instead of the problems in our life. You know, most of the time we tend to blame other people for our problems. And, and it's true that sometimes other people hurt us. There's no doubt about that. But the person who succeeds learns to soar above the circumstances, learns how to live under them, and he realizes the only one that can actually make the changes that are needed is he himself. 
If you're going to depend on other people to make you happy, you're going to be miserable the rest of your life. It's up to you. It's up to you with God's help to live a life that has joy unspeakable and full of glory and a peace that passeth all understanding. God provided it. God promised those things. But we have to, we have to be willing to receive what God has provided. Now notice the next step on this road to recovery. Look at verse number 8. And nothing could be more important than this. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Now these are the people that have taken everything from him. Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. He inquired of the Lord. Whenever you look back to chapter 27, when everything got out of control, when everything fell apart, you see absolutely no mention of prayer at all in chapter number 27. But now David is in trouble and now David is praying. He is seeking God's will for his life. And recovery always requires prayer. Prayer is our admission that we need God's help. Oh, we can make resolutions, and resolutions are fine to an extent, but resolutions alone are never enough because we're never going to recover until we get that overwhelming feeling that without God I can't ever do this. I need Him, and we're desperate And we request His help. And I'm so glad that we serve a God that says, Come boldly. Come boldly to the throne of grace that you might find mercy and the grace to help in a time of need. You're a child of God. You can take your needs boldly to the throne of grace. And so now David has inquired of the Lord. And look, if you're not going to get serious about prayer, don't, don't expect to ever recover from the condition that you're in you can't hope things are going to get better if you're not even willing to to honor God by doing what he says which is to pray without ceasing we're to live our lives in an attitude of prayer but then there was another step beginning in verse 9 and I'll not take time to read down through verse 20 but here's what happened he engaged in an effort to regain what he lost You know, David could have just uh, cut his losses and said, man, this didn't turn out the way I thought it was going to. And it's too bad they, you know, they they took all of these people into captivity. That's horrible and that's terrible. But, you know, I, I don't stand a chance against them. Besides, that's a scary proposition going up against the Amalekites and so I, I, I think I better just cut my losses and go the other direction or something. Uh, but David didn't do that. He went to the Lord in prayer and said, Lord, is it okay if I take off after him? I want to go back and get what's rightfully mine. God said, go get it. You go get it. Amen. It belongs to you. You go get it. The devil's had it long enough. Now you take it back. Now, there's something important here, folks. As important as prayer is, prayer does not rule out the need for action. You've heard me say, you know, God feeds the little 
little sparrow, but he doesn't throw the worm in the nest. You know, he expects the sparrow to go out and get it. God provides it. So David has prayed about it, but his prayer, the... shouldn't just sit back and expect God to do something that, that we don't attempt to do ourselves. We ought to give God our very best effort and then depend upon Him to do what we can't do for ourselves. But there's another important lesson in this, and that is the fact that, you know, even though that we, uh, even though we go to God in prayer and we make an attempt to do what is right, to recover what we've lost, we haven't really ever solved our problem until we become useful again. And here in these verses, if we had time to read all of them, we see David going back to work. He's doing what he did best. Now he's leading his troops. That's, that's what he was supposed to be doing, leading his troops against the enemy, and he recovers all that was taken. David's not the only one that profited from that. All of his people did. They had all suffered loss. And so David goes out, he's going back to work, and that's what recovery is all about. Whenever we are out of the will of God, we know that we have violated God's will for our life. We know that we have sinned against God. And whether or not we have incurred some great losses, David did, the fact remains that we have offended a holy God and we're going to lose something. Life is not what it ought to be. And let me tell you, just saying, oh God, I'm sorry, I really messed up. I'm so sorry. I got caught. This is really hurting me. That's not enough. We ought to do what we can to make things right. And that's what David is doing. It's as though he's saying to his people, his troops, and his people, his family, I have let you down. I have You see, by the way, staying busy in the Lord's work is a prevention as well as it is a cure. Most of the time, whenever we get out of the will of God and we suffer some loss like what we see here, most of the time it's the result of the fact that little by little we've let ourselves drift away from God. First, you know, we, uh, we don't read our Bibles like we used to. Then we don't pray. Our prayer just becomes a matter of formality. Just rush through it to get over it so we can get to sleep or so we can go do this or do that. And, and little by little we start missing a service here and a service there. And just little by little and all of a sudden, all of a sudden there's the crash, you see. Now, I'm telling you, serving God is a great prevention against having a fall. But then we get down to verse 21, and through verse 31, David does this. And this also, by the way, folks, is, is a means whereby that we can take a step on the road to recovery, and that's the fact that he encouraged others. Now, think about that. So far, he hasn't been concerned about anyone but himself, right? That's all he's thought of. 
But whenever we get down here in these verses and we begin to read and and uh, David went out and he took his men, verse number 21, and they were so faint that they could not follow David whom they had made also to abide in the brook Besor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David uh, came near to the people, he saluted them. And then as he instructs them and finally he goes on and tells us they went out and he had recovered all that was lost. But here's the important point. There were some during this journey to go recover stuff that became so weary they said, we can't go on. Physically, we're exhausted. We can't, we, we, we've got to stop. We need a rest. And it was a legitimate, it was a legitimate thing. So David and the other men went on. They recover everything. And having recovered everything, behind ourselves well the stuff were weary they couldn't go on anymore and David gave unto them their portion just as though they had been there in the heat of the battle throughout the conflict. It's a picture of someone that is really fully recovered now because they are encouraging other people. He has be, become a contender for the rights of others. He's a supplier of the needs of other people. That's an evidence of true repentance. So David has recovered from being a deserter. And now he's a defender, a defender of the weak. Their welfare became his work. Let me tell you, folks, if we're not serving others in some way or another, we haven't really recovered from our fall. And we're not really serving God if we're not serving people. That doesn't mean we can meet the needs of the whole world. But every blessing you have comes from God, and for the most part, for the most part, God used someone, some dear saint. God used them to provide some need in your life. I can't help but think about David thinking about himself in that horrible condition. He's been hurt deeply. He has suffered this loss. He has grieved sincerely. Now he's gone down the road to recovery. He's back where he ought to be. And what does he do? Out of his misery, he made a ministry. Think about that. Out of his misery, having gone through all of that, it results in a ministry to others. That's exactly Second Corinthians chapter one says be able to comfort others there with the Oh, listen, some of the best servants in the world are those that have, have been That's why God could say all things. 
love the Lord do the call according to his purpose. I'm, it's like God saying, yeah, I know it's tough right now, but I'm going to comfort you, and when I do, I want you out of your comfort to be a comfort to someone else that's going through what you've been through, what I brought you out of. Many paper and as some folks are prone to do, he uh, headed for the obituary and he was reading the obituary and lo and behold, his own obituary was there. He's still alive. The paper had mistakenly reported the death of the wrong composure. He, he, he decided he's going to read what the people had to say. And, and he saw sentences like this, quote, dynamite king dies. Quote, he was the merchant of death. Dynamite. And when he himself, is this how people are going to remember me? When I'm really dead and gone, is, is that what they're going to think about me? That I'm the merchant of death? And he decided to make a change. And he started working for world people. No prize. Be the highest of that story, and it's this he of that cause world peace. What will your grandchildren remember you for? When they hear your name, when they see your picture on the wall, what are they going to think about grandpa or grandma? What about your children? Those that lived with you, that were brought up in your home, that saw not only the best, but they saw you at your worst. important folks it's important and it ought to be something that all of us are concerned about how I'm not talking about just having a good reputation that's not what I mean but but it ought to become obvious to everyone here is someone that loved God and yes they were not perfect yes they failed but thank God they got up again and again and again and again and again and when you stop and think about it, this matter of recovery is something that's an ongoing process that we all need all of the time, every day. We recover these so-called little recoveries. Is there anyone here that would be so bold as to say that I've gone a day without a sin of any kind? Oh, wow. Now, if...
times that I've been rude and crude and to people when I shouldn't have been and times that I've neglected things I shouldn't have ignored and we've all sinned in some way and that means every day there needs to be some sort of recovery because I'm telling you every every moment you delay you're going in the opposite direction every moment you delay you're getting closer to suffering loss as David did for now, it might be the loss of your joy. That's a horrible, terrible thing. But believe me, it can get down to it can get down to other things, other losses that are deeply painful. I'm so glad that there is a road to recovery. That God doesn't just mark us off of the list when we fall. But it's as though God is saying, here's the road. I don't know. I just suspect you do, if you'll be honest. And there's some area of your life you need a recovery this morning. You can call it revival. There needs to be a recovery. This is a good. Toward us. Lord, we know you'd be perfectly justified to take our lives at any moment. We never do anything that's worthy of the salvation you've provided or the blessings that we've experienced, and yet because of your grace, you've heaped them upon us like mountains of grace. And, and then we turn around over and over again, and we, we fail to live up to your standard and to meet your need and to please your heart. God, forgive us. Forgive us. Lord, when we stray away, may the Holy Spirit not give us peace until we get on that road to recovery and, and we get our 